Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this title down. It's called Sleeping on the Job. Sleeping on the Job. And we're going to talk about the value of rest. Turn to your neighbor and say, rest. We're gonna talk about the value of rest. And in uh, preparation for this sermon, I took a lot of naps this week just to make sure that I was uh, walking it out before (laughs) I actually got up here. But I was doing some studying and I found uh, this whole idea about rest uh, super, super interesting. And uh, in Japan, it's really crazy. Uh, They actually promote people who sleep on the job. Did you know that? That in Japan, people work so hard and so many hours that if they are caught sleeping on the job, their bosses actually look at them and they go, wow, they need a promotion. We need to to give them more responsibility. In fact, some people have been known to fake nap at work just so that they could get a promotion. And so I tried that out this week at the office. It wasn't received as well as it would have been in Japan. But we're going to talk about rest today. Come on, church, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we know, God, that you give us true rest, Lord. And I just pray as we step into this next installment of the series that you would speak through me to the people, Lord. You have a word today, and I pray that you would encourage them. I pray you would equip them, and I pray, Lord, that you would bring true rest to our souls today in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, talking about rest, I want, I have a little confession to make. I am a, what I call a professional napper. I love taking naps just by a show of hands. How many of you are nappers? You enjoy taking naps. I love taking naps. In fact, um, you know, whenever I have an off day, so tomorrow is my off day, I'll be off on Monday. And so my off days, you know, there's always a list of things to do. You got to take care of stuff around the house. You got to get the groceries. You got to do all these different things. I always organize my off day around my nap. The centerpiece of the off day is the nap. It is the most important thing that I'm going to do all day. And so I will protect that early afternoon from about one to three. I will, I will mark that time off and I will take a nap. And uh, my wife, she actually told, tells me this all the time. Uh, she says, on your tombstone, which I don't know why she thinks about my tombstone. <laughs> she says, on your tombstone, I'm going to have the words, perfect nap weather. Perfect nap weather. Because... The way that I justify taking a nap is the weather. But it doesn't really actually matter what the weather is. If it's like super sunny outside, I'm like, babe, it's real bright out here. I need to take a nap. If it's like really hot, I'm like, babe, we just need to to crank up the AC and it's time for a nap. If it's cold, oh, it's time to warm up in a blanket. It's time for a nap. Today, it's cold. It's rainy. You know what today is? It's perfect nap weather, right? In fact, I actually, I wanted to show you something very important, that taking naps is actually a biblical concept. And so I came up with a list 
of fellow biblical nappers. First is Adam. Adam, our first father, Adam. He took a nap. And you know what happened when he took a nap? He got a wife. So I don't know where all the single people are at. Let me just tell you, if if you're in here and you're single, you need more naps, all right? Spiritual things happen when you take naps. Jacob, after fleeing from Esau, he took a nap. God gave him a dream. Jonah on the boat during a storm, you know what he was doing? He was napping. Elijah, he was running away from Ahab and Jezebel. You know what he was doing? Napping. But probably the best story of a nap in all of the Bible is Jesus on the boat in Luke chapter 8 because there's a storm and he's taking a nap and all the disciples are mad. And here's what I've come to learn. that There are two types of people in the world. There are those who love naps and those who hate people who love naps. (laughs) And here's the thing. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a person who naps a lot. And Jesus, he just carried a sense of confidence and this supernatural trust that even in the middle of craziness, he was able to trust God and take a nap. And so I want to do this. I want to take the next few minutes and we're going to look at one text, one thing that Jesus says. And we're, it's a pretty familiar uh, text, but I think uh, there's some really interesting stuff that we can learn from it. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. And Jesus said this, he said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this text, I think it shows us three important things about Rest, And I want to dive into those. The first thing I think it shows us is the need for rest. The need for rest. If you're taking notes, write down the need for rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor, all who labor and are heavy laden. You know, when it says labor, that word there, it means those who work hard. I've been a pastor on staff here. This is year 15 for me. I've been a pastor on staff for 15 years. And I can say, this, is, this church, you are a group of hard-working people. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Mike spoke on being a hard worker. And this is a hard-working church. You do such a great job of uh, providing for your family and meeting the needs of the church and meeting the needs of the community and those around you. Jesus says, those who labor. And he said, those are who, who are heavy laden. And what that means is those who carry a heavy load. Those who carry a heavy load. Jesus says, there are those out there, you're working hard and you're carrying a lot. He recognizes this, this idea that we are carrying something, that we're working hard. I was doing research on just how hard our culture works now. And it's interesting, you know, we are working more hours in today's society than the generations before us. We're working more hours. And I found this interesting article about how technology Though it, it's a wonderful thing and it can be used for so many good things, one of the things that it really struggles with is people have a hard time disconnecting from their work. 
And so when it used to be back in the day, if you were going to work, you had to be at the office or you had to be at the shop or the factory. Now it's shifting where your office is literally on your phone. You could work remotely from anywhere. And so what there's the the scientists and the social uh, scientists are studying these things and they're seeing how people are having a hard time disconnecting from their work. They're, they're able to, um, they're, they're not able to, uh, to, to push pause and stop as much as they used to be able to. I saw this stat and I thought it was crazy. It said this, in 2015, 41% of Americans didn't use a single vacation day. 41%. And they were paid vacation days and people still weren't using them. Look, I don't know who you are. If you're not using your vacation days, don't let them go to waste. I'll take them. We want to make sure that all of those get, you know, I I saw this too. This is probably the most staggering thing I read is that stress is the number one cause of death. Stress. It's actually linked to the top six uh, leading causes of death in America. That stress, there is an anxiety, there is a stress that is on Americans now that has never been before. People are working hard. And you know, the idea of rest, this is a biblical concept. Jesus says it here in Matthew 11, but really it dates back. The first time the Bible mentions rest is when God says it in Genesis chapter 2. I want to read that to you. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. And so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You know, it says God rested. The first time we see rest in the Bible, it's not Adam in the garden taking a nap. It's actually God resting. And when you read this, the first thing, you know, that came to my mind was, okay, why did God rest? He's like all powerful, like he doesn't need to rest. But when you study this, you realize that this word for rest, it literally just means to stop. It means to stop. It means to cease action, to stop what you're doing. And here's what I felt like God's saying to me, and I felt like God's saying this to the church, is that if it's okay for God to stop, it's okay for me to stop. If it's okay for God, who literally the entire universe depends on him to push pause and say, okay, we can take a break, then it's okay for me. Because you know what? The world doesn't depend on me. The universe doesn't revolve around me. I am not holding everything together. And God, who is holding everything together, he said, I'm gonna rest. And then it says, he blessed the day. He instituted this idea of Sabbath rest and he mandates it, right? He says to his people, he says, look, if I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna value rest, you need to value rest. I wrote this down. We are called to rest just as much as we're called to work. We're called to rest just as much as we're called to work. You know, last week uh, was a very uh, fun week for me and my family. We, uh, we went to the Mouse House. We went to Disney World. How many of you have ever been to Disney World? How many of you have ever been to Disney World with small kids? Yeah, that's a different experience, okay? And we went on this trip, and can I tell you something? I need a vacation, 
There is a difference between a trip and a vacation. A trip, you work. A vacation, you rest. And so when I went on this trip, this was a trip, not a vacation. There was a lot of work involved. And so, you know, we're, we're walking around the parks and uh, they have these little people who take your photo in front of, you know, the, the, the different places. And we got this photo taken. And I wanted to show you, because this is, this is uh, what is, seems like a picture of rest. Go ahead and throw that picture up. Okay, so this is me and my wife and my three daughters. I, my, I'm a blessed man. There is... There's a lot of emotion in my house. <laughs> and yes, I am wearing a Mickey Mouse book sack. Um, I admit that publicly. Now, at first, it's like, okay, here's this, this wonderful picture of this beautiful family. But as soon as this picture was finished being taken, there was just chaos that ensued. And here's why. Zoom in uh, to the next photo. Yeah, okay. So this is my oldest daughter actually pinching... My middle daughter. So what, what had happened was is they, for some reason, I can't understand why, they all want to stand next to their mom whenever they take pictures. None of them ever want to stand next to me. Half the pictures are me off in the distance, and then it's my wife and the three daughters. And they all want to, and so they were fighting over who gets to stand next to mom. And as soon as the picture started being taken, uh, my oldest daughter pinches my middle daughter. Now look at my middle daughter's reaction. Yeah. <laughs> My baby Avery, she was trying to hold it together. She was trying to smile. <laughs> she was trying to smile for the camera, but she was in pain. And as soon as this picture was done, it was just chaos. It was crazy. Look, this trip, it was so much work. Now, we have been to Disney World before uh, with small kids. So when I went to Disney World, I expected it to be work. I knew going in that if I, put the wor if I, if I go in and I expect this to be restful, I'm going to come back disappointed. I had this idea that if I go to Disney World and I expect anything other than work, I'm going to be disappointed. And I think what happens so many times is that we go to certain things or certain places or certain activities and we expect to be rested, but we come back even more tired. We find that the things that we run to don't necessarily rest our souls. They don't necessarily give us the peace that, they, that we thought that they would. You see, this scripture shows us the need for us, but it also shows us something else. It shows us the nature of rest, the nature of rest. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Everybody say soul. Jesus said that there is a good type of rest that we need in our bodies. We all need rest in our bodies, but none of us have um, problems figuring out how to rest physically. There is a different rest that Jesus introduces here. He says, a rest for your souls. And that word soul there in the Greek is actually the Greek word psyche. Psyche. It's where we get our modern word psychology from. And the psyche in the ancient world was the understanding that this was the inner life. 
that this was the seat of your knowledge, the seat of your thoughts, the seat of your emotions, the seat of all of uh, the desires and affections of your heart. This was the internal life. And Jesus brings up this idea of rest. And he says, there is something going on inside of humanity that no nap can fix, no vacation can fix. There's, there's something going on in the side of us. There is a restlessness that we all embrace, that we all feel. And as we work our jobs, as we work at school, as we take care of our families, we do all of these things. There is this weight that we are carrying, this, this idea of working hard, which is good, also produces something that is bad, which is this weight that we're all carrying. You know, the Bible warns against the different things that weigh down our soul. You know, there's so many of them. I, I wish I could go through a, a larger list, but I put a, I put a list of three things uh, together I think are probably some of the bigger ones. Three things that weigh down our soul when it comes to our jobs. The first is materialism. Materialism. Materialism is wanting what you don't have. Wanting what you don't have. You know, I remember uh, I was 17 years old. I'm from Gonzales. Any G-Town people in the house? Yes. Any East Ascension folk in the house? All right. Well, we, back in the day, if you grew up in the 90s in Gonzales, there was one thing that you everybody wanted, and that was a car or a vehicle with big rims. You know what I'm talking about? And so whenever I was 17 years old, my dad gave me my first vehicle. He gave me, uh, I think it was a 1990 Dodge Dakota, okay? It was like 50 feet long, and you couldn't turn it into a parking spot. But look, it meant freedom for me. And as soon as I got this Dodge Dakota, I knew what I had to do. I had to get rims on it. And so I went to my dad, and I said, look, Dad, can we get some rims on this thing? And he's like, well, son, I want to teach you the value of hard work. And so he said, let's do this. Let's go price out some rims. So we went to, uh, I don't even remember what the store was called, but we went and we priced out some rims. It was $3,000 for new rims and new tires. I was 17 years old. I didn't have a dollar. And he said, you know what, son? He said, if you got a I had just gotten a job waiting tables at a seafood restaurant. And he said, son, if you will work hard. Once you get $1,500, I'll finance the other $1,500, and then you can pay me back. I think he was challenging me because he, he thought there's no way that he's ever going to come up with $1,500. And I can tell you this, I, I bust a lot of tables. I was nice to a lot of people who, who were not so nice to me, right? I, I gave a lot of fried fish to the community, and every single dollar I saved up, it took me three whole months to come up with $1,500. And I went to my dad and I said, I got it. I got the $1,500. Let's go get those rims, baby. And so we went and we got the rims on the 1990 Dodge Dakota. And I had to pay him back. And you know what? It took me three more months to pay him back. And at the end of the three months, I'm driving in my Dodge Dakota. It's got engine problems. It's, it's, it's not doing so well. And I just thought, I spent half a year waiting tables for rims that I can't even see when I'm inside of the car. <laughs> so I would just have to get out of my car and just look at it. Like, there you go. 
there are the rims. And I just remember this feeling. And then look, the vehicle didn't even last for like another year and I had to trade it in. And I just thought, man, I remember wanting it so bad, but then when I realized it was just so unnecessary for the stage of life that I was in. You know, and the Bible says that materialism and the, and the, and the hunger for things that we don't have, these things weigh us down. I also thought about envy. Envy. I think one of the reasons people overwork themselves is because they look at what other people have and they think, I got to get some of that. I want some of that. I want what they have. And there's this unhealthy desire that rises up inside of us. You know, my kids, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give, you know, let's say I give a piece of candy to one of my kids. And then the next kid comes back and they, and, and they say, oh, I want a piece of candy. And I give them a different kind of candy. Then the first kid's no longer happy. There's this sense inside of all of us that when we see someone else get something new, something shiny, we just don't. We're just not as excited about what we have anymore. And the excitement that we had when we first got that thing, it quickly fades because someone else has something better. And when we work ourselves to death because we're trying so hard to get what other people have, and it's not even just um, physical possessions. Sometimes it's, it's, it's positions, it's titles, it's authority, it's status. And we look at these things and we think, oh, if I just had what they have, then I'll finally be happy. And the Bible says this is an empty pursuit. And the last thing I wrote down on here, and I think it's probably the most important one, is misplaced value. Misplaced value. You see, what that means is there's a false, um, there's a lie inside of all of us that if I do this, then I'll become that. If I just, if my business is successful, then I will be a successful person. If my marriage is going in the direction that I want it to, then I'm going to be a happier person. And we have all of these thoughts and, we, and, and all of those things are good. I'm not saying we shouldn't desire a successful business or a successful marriage, but the lie comes in that I will be finally who I really want to be on the other side of what I obtain. If I just work really, really hard and do these things, then in the end, what's gonna happen is I'll finally be who I really wanna be. And we expect our jobs or uh, our, our, our family lives to meet these emotional needs inside of us that they simply cannot meet. And Jesus says, look, I know the weights that you carry. I know the things out in front of you. I know the pressures of life. But you can't find your identity in those things. That's not who you really are. Your job is not who you really are. Your family's not who you really are. Your, your friends are not who you really are. That degree is not who you really are. That position is not who you are. Jesus says, you will find who you really are in me. You see, what does this tell us? It tells us the need for rest. It tells us the nature of rest. But the most important thing it tells us is the name of rest. The name of rest. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He said, come to me, all who labor 
and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus said, come to me. Why did he say, come to me? Why did he invite people? Because he knows we have two tendencies in our life. The first tendency is to try to do it on our own. Say, I'll, I'll, I'll handle it. I can put it all together. I can make it happen. I can, I can get through this. I can, I can work it out. And our second tendency is we go to something else. We pursue something else in our life that we think will make us happy, will finally give us what we need. And Jesus is saying, look, look, look. Rest is not a place. It's a person. Rest is not a place, it's a person. Rest is not a beach in the Bahamas. <laughs> rest is not your bed. Rest, true biblical rest, can only be found in Jesus. And he uses this farming analogy. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now in the modern world, probably not uh, a lot of us have deal with yokes very often. You're like, you're talking about eggs? What's he talking about? Say, take my egg upon you? Like, Jesus says, take my yoke. And so in the ancient world, when they would want to plow a field, what they would do is they would get a big plow and they would attach it to two animals. And the two animals would be connected by this this big piece of wood and it would go around their necks. And it it would tie them together, it would connect them together, and then they would move in the same direction and they would plow the field. And it was, both of them were carrying the weights and they're moving forward, and the plow is able to actually uh, do its job. And so Jesus is using this analogy, and he's saying this. He's saying, one, you need to connect to me. Two, you need to go in the direction that I'm going. If you connect to me, I'll carry the weight. What a beautiful promise. If you connect to me, I will carry the weight. He said, I will give you rest. Rest is not something that you can achieve. Do you see that? Jesus says, rest, true biblical rest, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's not something you can purchase. It's not something, it's not a timeshare you can buy into. It's not a place that you can go. Jesus says, true biblical rest happens when you connect to me. I want to give you Rest And Jesus wants to give you rest today. So why is it, and this is the most important question, why is it that Jesus can give us rest? Why is it that he, him and no one else can give us this rest? And the answer is very simple. It's because he's already done all the work. He's already done all the work. One of my favorite quotes that changed my life was this by Pastor Tim Keller. He said, after creation, God said, it is finished, and he rested. And after redemption, Jesus said, it is finished, and now we rest. Do you see, God rested after he did all the work, but we get to rest because Jesus has already done all of the work. I'll never forget two years ago, walking through something, and I gotta be honest, it was, the, it was the, hardest, the hardest season of my entire life. I lost one of my closest friends to, to cancer. We, we'd been buddies, we'd been, he'd, he'd been on staff here, and um, 
he was a pastor and we shared an office for the better part of a decade and we took family trips together. I mean, he was one of my closest friends and God took him home. And in the midst of that grief and that heartache, I struggled. And, and here I am, I'm a pastor, I'm on staff at a church, and, and, but I struggled. I struggled, it was real. And about two months after he passed, we got some amazing news. We found out that we were pregnant. And we were so excited, we were so joyful. We felt this, this, this supernatural excitement come upon us. And then a couple of weeks later, me and my wife, we walked through the, the tragedy of miscarriage. I had never really had to mourn someone to the extent that I was mourning my friend and now I was mourning my child. And in four months, I had lost my friend and I had lost a child. And me and my wife, I tell you what, we were carrying weights. We were carrying weights that we, we couldn't carry. There was nothing I could do. You know, I went on some trips. I took a couple of vacations. And I can tell you this, there was no place that I could go that could give me rest for my soul. There was no person I could sit down and talk to that brought me true rest. I and mean, then I needed counselors. I needed friends. I needed those things. Those were all important. But nobody could provide me the rest for my soul. And I felt like God came to me. And Jesus spoke to me. And he said, if you would just stay connected to me, not even daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes every other minute. He says, if you will come to me, I will give you rest for your soul. I will carry the weight that you can't carry. I will take upon the burden that you cannot carry. And it was a process. You know, Jesus says, take my yoke. And he says, learn from me. Learn. What does learning imply? It implies that it's a process. It's a process. It's not just a one-time thing. It's not like, oh, okay, okay, now I got rest and it's all good. It's the idea that I have to keep going back to Jesus. And if I go anywhere else expecting rest, I'll be disappointed. If I go to any person or any place or any job or any title, if I go anywhere else other than the person of Jesus, I will be disappointed and I will remain restless. But as I connected to him, as I pursued him, as I took his yoke and went in the direction that he wanted me to go, as I followed his voice daily, I could feel that weight being lifted off of me. He was carrying the weight and the truth was he was carrying me because I couldn't deal on my own and I needed him every single day. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.